Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of Logistics with Purpose. I'm your host, Enrique Alvarez, and I have the pleasure of being here with uh, an excellent guest and, of course, a person that you guys probably already know from previous episodes, Patrick, with Books for Africa. Today is going to be very exciting. We're going to be talking a lot about Africa. We're going to be talking about education. We're definitely going to be talking about books and the relationship that Books for Africa has with the continent. And again, we have a great host today and uh, we have a really great guest as well. So I'll let me introduce to everyone here. Patrick, how are you doing today? I'm great. I'm great. It's Good to see you again. Yeah, my pleasure. Great to be here in the Vector headquarters. This I is know. A, Thanks for coming. We're excited to have you here. What brings you down to Atlanta, by the way? Well, we're happy that our grand opening of our new Books for Africa warehouse is occurring tomorrow. And so that's why we're here. And we're so pleased to have our, Her Excellency, the African Union Ambassador, Ambassador Hilda Sukamafudze, if I yes. pronounced that correctly. Mm, oh yes. And mm -hmm. she's going to be the keynote speaker for our warehouse open house tomorrow. Uh, we send millions and millions of books to Africa and they, the vast majority of them go through this warehouse here in Atlanta. We just reached the 50 million mark a couple of months we're ago. Now we're at 51. And 51 so already. Things and change. Yes. We're looking forward to the next 50 and celebrating 100. But we have yeah. Madame Ambassador here with us, and we're incredibly happy. It's an honor to have you. And this is a very special episode for us, as I was telling you before during our launch and before yes, sure. we started this recording. We come from a year of coronavirus and being locked inside. And so when we were setting this up, like this is our first official quote unquote, like uh, in-person interview of, uh, of someone. And, and it's funny because it's, uh, it's incredible how hard it has been to actually come back when it comes to the, having the set together and the microphones ready and everything. But, but this is great. And it's amazing to kick it off with uh, someone like yourself. No, thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, this is good. Uh, the in-person having the first in-person, you'll be surprised. It will, it will be embedded in your mind for a long time. <laughs> and you will not forget this meeting. No, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for welcoming me to the HQ for Vector. Yes. Thank you for being here. And uh, Matilda, always a pleasure to have you as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. And I'm looking forward to this conversation because it's very personal to me and it's personal to Vector Global Logistics too, because you also have been in the forefront of shipping the books to Ghana and, and other places also. And I thank you, uh, Patrick, for the hard work you do. And Madame, it's a pleasure. It's an honor. I do know that Africa is going to do well because of you. I look forward to talking to all of you. Thank you, my sister. Mm. Oh, with that said, let's just go right into it, right? Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Where are you from? Where did you grow? Some kind of fun stories of your upbringing. And <laughs> we just want to get to know you better because I, I am a little bit nervous. We've never had an ambassador here before. Mm -hmm. And I uh, just, we don't even know what that means or what you do. So tell oh. us a little bit more. Born in Zimbabwe, in the Western province of Zimbabwe. Uh, they call it uh, Marsh West in my country, and uh, in the constituency Mondoro, 
-hmm. is where I come from. And they got educated at Masawi Primary School. That's where I hail from. That's where I was born. So, yes. do you, so Masawi um, Elementary School, is that? That was the primary school. The primary but school. born in Bulawayo, which is the mm -hmm. second city of Zimbabwe. That's where I was born, closer to the Victoria Falls, the one of the wonders of the world. Which everyone has to go and visit at some point, right? It should be in everyone's oh, uh, yes. bucket list. Yeah, yes. Yeah, put that on your bucket list and you'll love it and you'll not forget it. <laughs> I'm sure and we will all love to go. And so tell us a little bit more about your upbringing. I think you come from a family of uh, many I, I siblings. Come from, uh, uh, many siblings. My mother, that queen, let me call her, mm -hmm. she had nine, she gave birth to nine children. Oh, that's a queen. Five girls and four boys. And I am the seventh born in the family and the last girl child born in the family. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, yes. So. So you were spoiled. Yeah, I know, right? I was saying. gonna say that. <laughs> For that's sure. Great. At least that's what everyone yeah. says. Some, so, somehow. And you had like seven parents. <laughs> because those were boys. After me, there were two boys. And they were not very like so spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> I was the, the spoiled one yeah. because I was uh, the last girl born yeah. in the family. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I was daddy's. My yeah. daddy's uh, a beautiful girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. What do you remember the most about those? Uh, just living in a, in your family and. I, I just remember that, uh, you know, being. I was in the second set of the siblings. The other set, which is uh, from the first one <laughs> and uh, down to the Dorcas, Grace, Robert, then Susan, those four, I think, grew up on their own and uh, were just that set that was very close. From Morris, Betty, Hilda, Javelin, and Kenan, who is the last born, were a set on their own. So we grew up knowing that those who are older than us would look up to them, respect them like whenever they tell you, give you an advice, you would take it like it's your father or your mother who is giving that advice. Mm -hmm. But this set of the five of us below, we, were, we would fight. <laughs> Why are you telling me that? Kind of, you know. So yeah. no, we, we we really grow up many of us, but really knew in the process of growing and the process of sharing food in the household, knowing that if it is a loaf of bread, I know so and so and so and so is not eaten. So it is if I'm cutting, I'm living for one, two, three. Because I think so and so has been here. So they have already taken their two pieces. Mm -hmm. I'm the third one who has come and the loaf is somewhere here. So it means there's there's the other three, mm -hmm. the other two who have yes. not eaten. Yeah. So I would make sure I share that way. Mm -hmm. And I take my share and so that others would get it was really good. Yeah, very early on you were somewhat forced to share and make sure you oh, yes. were aware that you're not the only one and mm -hmm. you're not the only one the spoiling came at a later stage mm -hmm. when i was <laughs> yeah. right a, li a little little bit where my dad would say i i know something bad happened mm -hmm. to my 
to my to my uh, darling. I think mm. something happened. Mm -hmm. She's not happy. What yeah. is happening? Mm. You know, and everyone else said, "Oh no, she kept it for the whole week before you came because we're staying in a rural area." And what it meant was every weekend, my father would come home. Mm -hmm. uh, that is a weekend, and uh, it's a holiday. Mm -hmm. Though we're holidaying in, the, we were we were studying in town, but mm -hmm. in the rural areas, right. we were compelled to go to the rural areas every holiday so that to correct our mindset not to be those guys who stay in town and mm -hmm. thieve and do all those things but to be good girl to be mm -hmm. good boys so to go back home so my father every weekend he would come back home so whatever would have happened to me on a monday when he left early in the morning going to work in harare in the city and i would keep that issue until at the end and my she father did. would tell that something happened to her. She's not very happy. So that's how spoiled I was. <laughs> oh, so he definitely where fathers grow. And he still kept all of you grounded also. Oh, yes. yes. He, yeah. he kept us grounded. Yes. And uh, I even didn't know very well my rural constituency. Let's, let's put it that way. I just didn't geographically mm -hmm. know my way around until I was a bigger girl. Mm -hmm. what, I, so what did your dad do? You saw that he went out like every Monday, came back on Friday? Or... Yeah, and Monday, Monday morning, early morning, and a Friday evening, he's back home. He's back. Mm -hmm. Yes, and every Monday he goes, and uh, you know, mm -hmm. that, that's, how, that, that's how it was working. Mm -hmm. And uh, also where I come from is closer to Harare, which mm -hmm. is the capital. Mm -hmm. So that's where he was working. Mm -hmm. As you continue to grow and, and now you're here and we'll talk a little bit more about your career, Patrick's going to go with you uh, through that, but any kind of particular eureka moment or any like special circumstance back then uh, that maybe your siblings or your dad or your mom, someone that you saw that kind of shaped you into what you are now because you come from, from Zimbabwe, from that school, from that rural district to becoming a, an, an ambassador to the U.S., which is such an amazing journey there must have been were you always expecting to become like an ambassador were you dreaming about this i i would want to say at the beginning when you actually just don't know how the world is shaped you are still young and you have those siblings you know how it is i was the one doing some of the, <laughs> the punching as opposed the punching, to receiving it and uh, it's a, it's it's like a, you there are those frictions within yourself so we were two of us as girls my sister was uh, the sixth born in the family and uh, me the, the seventh born in the family the eighth was a guy the ninth was a guy and before my big sister was the number five so there would be frictions the boys are saying something the girls are saying something mm -hmm. and we want to do sports together we're playing juggling or playing whatever together and there are some frictions mm -hmm. my sister really loved to really give it back <laughs> <laughs> and she would always look for my support yes <laughs> she would want my support yeah. always but I, I didn't want that yeah I was like, you know, I, I would want it all just very smooth. Let, let's let's move on, mm -hmm. you know. Let's work together. Let's yeah. work together. Mm -hmm. But uh, these fights would come, and those fights would sometimes I get a punch, and I'm like, <laughs> but I don't like this. Mm -hmm. You right. know, I didn't like that mm -hmm. at all. So that's why on a Monday when Daddy comes, one on a on a Friday when Daddy comes, 
is seeing that I'm not really happy. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't go along with mm-hmm. it, you know. So it, it end me trips to Harare sometimes. Was it this one doesn't like this kind of she wants to be reading her books. She wants to be doing these special things. She wants to be, she doesn't want this uh, boy kind of thing right. fighting. No, that's how it was. So you were always a diplomat, it sounds like exactly. since, since exactly. you were a little girl. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Resolution. Trying exactly. to make sure everyone comes together. Why can't we do the right thing yes. here? Why are you fighting? <laughs> and someone you saw, so see someone is bleeding, nose yeah. bleeding and whatever. Just didn't want to see mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. I want to go in a hide yeah. or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's how I grew up. Is there yeah, something in particular that you remember your mom or your dad telling you like some kind of whatever, like some teaching or some? My, my mother in particular was very like, you know, no one will take away your education. Mm. Mm-hmm. No one will take away your education. Go to school. Mm-hmm. Education is the most important, and uh, you'll always find your way to rise in the world. Mm-hmm. You'll get somewhere. Mm-hmm. And having those siblings, it became becoming daddy's a little girl, beautiful little girl. I became the spokesperson of the family. Even if others want something like he. No, we are going to follow this music program. We don't have new uh, uh, new shoes or something like that. And everyone else would be scared to go and tell that man. And that man would say, no, talk to your mother. I don't have money or something like that. But I would say, no, no, no. We are your children. I'll tell my brother. Mm-hmm. We are your children. You've got to do something. Because mm-hmm. we are going for this. Mm-hmm. But I was young. Mm-hmm. And everyone else would wait for me. Just wait a little if she, she talks to this, this man. He's, he will listen, not to us. He will listen. Mm-hmm. So I would go and negotiate. And even my mother would say this. Ah, just leave it to Hilda. She will negotiate <laughs> on behalf of all of you. And I would negotiate. In the, at the end, my father, when he's, the day he receives his salary, he would ask me in particular, take a transport to, to get to town, to his workplace, and I receive the money, I go and buy for everybody. Wow, so the you're shoes. in charge of the yeah. Oh yes, the, the shoes, and the, the socks, yeah. and everything. Mm-hmm. I wow. buy, I go back home, mm-hmm. I give everyone, and whatever. Mm-hmm. And everyone is happy, and whatever. And wow. they, they will just say, thank you, thank you. Mm-hmm. So you get to thank Hilda about all this. <laughs> that's I a think great, it began a long time That's ago. a very powerful yeah. thing that you, you did and that your mom is telling you, education, mm-hmm. which is exactly. perfect segue yeah. to yeah. to the to Patrick's kind of uh, next yeah. step, right? Education, yeah. critical, very important. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And to meet the world, what is the world looking like and how will you be? If you don't have the English language, it means then you won't prosper. Mm-hmm. You won't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. So I was a very close friend to Mills and Boone. Books. Those are the books I, I used to read. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's where I would get the gist of the language, the mm-hmm. whole language. Mm-hmm. And uh, to try to use it, to, to try to write your comprehensions mm-hmm. at school. And they shape your comprehension mm-hmm. in a good way. Mm-hmm. It was the books I was reading. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't come, some of these things. We were born, some of us, not speaking the language of English mm-hmm. when we were growing up. Mm-hmm. But we had to teach yourselves. Mm-hmm. And you had to, when you are going to school, they were going to teach you in English, mm-hmm. in your language. And what it meant was, 
your head to have it in mm -hmm. you. If they're talking of language, they're talking of education. Yes, you can learn mathematics, geography, mm -hmm. history, all that. But the English language was very important. Mm -hmm. So we go from growing up in a rural area in Zimbabwe, mm -hmm. and I grew up on a farm too, so <laughs> on a, with a large family. So I know right. much of what you speak, mm -hmm. although they didn't give me the money to, to buy it for some <laughs> well, were, What number, what number? I was the were. youngest for many years. For oh, many yeah. years yeah. And, uh, we and they all years. thought I was spoiled, but I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> how many, how many were you, Pat? There were uh, seven. Seven. Yes, so seven. you were the youngest yes, of seven. seven. You were the youngest of I was number six of that. Number six. And then my youngest, uh, my little sister was born. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but you have that give and take with a yes. large rural family. Yes. It's, it's fun, but sometimes not when you're in the middle of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you go from there to being an ambassador, not just of a, of a single country in Africa, but the entire African Union. So the, the question is, how does one get to be ambassador of the African Union? What does it take if if, if uh, someone wanted to be ambassador of the African Union like you, what, what's the what's the secret? Uh, I, I, I don't know if it is the best to talk of it as a secret, but mm -hmm. as you shape your career, you, you have something in your mind, something that keeps on telling you, you can do better. It, at first, I became a member of parliament for my rural home and uh, on an opposition oh. ticket yes <laughs> and uh, this was a province where the president of the country was coming from so my constituency became like a black dot in his province a province of 13 constituencies and there's the one from the opposition when the ruling party knew of uh, no opposition can win in a rural constituency and i won in a rural constituency Wow. And yes. uh, it surprised even my president at that given time. But he wasn't, even the president of my party didn't think a constituent would be one uh, in that area. But they had to embrace because it was a party that was yearning to be bigger. But uh, they didn't think they would win in rural constituency. Mm -hmm. But they, a constituency, I won in that constituency. Mm -hmm. But I worked so hard, so hard that we were nine candidates vying for one post from the from my party mm -hmm. that is the opposition before mm -hmm. we even meet up with the ruling party mm -hmm. candidates mm -hmm. for the last elections for the primary elections all nine of them were men eh? and i was the only lady <laughs> that's eh? gonna be a question yeah and wherever i would go in the campaign in the constituency they would make sure they go and destroy and i would have to go mm -hmm. again to say, don't listen to what has been mm -hmm. said. This is the situation. We're moving on. The elections have been done. Let's work together. I'm your candidate. I will be your, <laughs> I will be your messenger mm -hmm. for all the challenges that you're talking about. I'll be able to table them in, in parliament and let you know what we should do and how to move together, how to develop as a constituency. I'm your daughter here, comes from here then I can do, I, I can do the best for you. Mm -hmm. And I won the primary elections. Wow. Before I went to the main election, mm -hmm. what I'm talking about, you really- I don't, yes. Then- it's brutal. Yes, brutal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> then I, I just had to go into competition with the ruling party candidate. 
and she had been in that constituency for many times winning and whatever and the day i was i won the constituents and wow. uh, she it didn't go along with yeah. her very well and uh, being an opposition yeah. you know what i'm talking yes. about in a rural constituency mm-hmm. and uh, in africa there's enmity around us mm-hmm. but at the end of the day mm-hmm. you find that people come to their senses and mm-hmm. know that what it means is the people in the area have chosen a person mm-hmm. that they think they would be able to represent them. Yeah. I did my best mm-hmm. in parliament to represent them, mm-hmm. ensuring they get all the books that are developed in parliament mm-hmm. for them to know what's happening in parliament. Mm-hmm. And I would buy newspapers, mm-hmm. the print media, mm-hmm. get it to my rural constituents mm-hmm. to ensure people are, are informed. Yes, exactly. And I would say my constituents mm-hmm. was the, I would say it was the most knowledgeable of yeah. what does it mean? Yes. What does a government mean? What does a ruling party mm-hmm. mean? What does an opposition mean? Mm-hmm. They were so educated to know that the ruling party, even the opposition can win an election and become a ruling party. Mm. So when you say government, the government is for us all. We have the advantages mm-hmm. that call for us to benefit from what the government is doing because it's the ruling at the given time. So from being a member of parliament, I realized the gap. Mm-hmm. in my constituents, the gap of lack of information. Yes. The, 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 the gap that people are not really into, into participating on mm-hmm. issues and they're helping themselves to shape themselves by addressing the issues that uh, give them problems, that are challenges to them. Mm-hmm. They have to be involved. Yes. I saw a gap. And I decided to come up with an organization, Community Development and Participation. Okay. Uh, so part of the exactly. parliament, or once you finished? That was out of parliament. I was out of parliament. Yeah. That was my initiative. Yeah. And uh, then I founded that organization, Community Development and Participation. Because I knew there was a need. There was need on the ground. There was need to rally people for them to know that they have to participate. They have to, if they're demanding even to the government, whatever area that they are demanding of, they have to be there to say exactly what, not to just like, oh, the government is not doing this for us. Mm-hmm. It's not making sure we have water here and whatever. So I inculcated that into the young people, into the women mm-hmm. mostly, and also you know, the men as mm-hmm. well, but women were rallying so much when I was running that organization without even a funding at first mm. I was running around making sure that what I want that dream mm. of mine wow. I want it to be real and from there I uh, I said to my party I was out of parliament because my constituents was gerrymandered mm. made into yeah. small pieces yes and I was told mm-hmm. by the ruling party, whichever corner you choose, you're not going to win that election. Mm-hmm. And they're okay. And I, I didn't win, mm-hmm. but I had concerns because mm-hmm. my figures and the figures of the other person who was announced as the winner, mine were more figures than his. But anyway, I, di- I didn't know where to go and complain that. Mm-hmm. And then I had to go along with that. But I went on to build this organization. Mm-hmm. After this organization, 
I just ask the party, can I volunteer to run the elections of the party? Good. Because it was in me yes, to say there should be something to be done mm -hmm. to run the elections. Mm -hmm. And I ran the elections for the whole country mm -hmm. from my party. Mm -hmm. My party was fielding a candidate in each and every constituency, mm -hmm. just like 130 wow. something yeah. constituencies. Yeah. And uh, I ran those, uh, I volunteered. Mm -hmm. We did those elections. Of course, they were controversial. And uh, I kept on with my party and my party president say, you have this commitment. Tell me, what would you want to do? I just say, whatever you can want to me to save the party on, I can, I'm, I'm prepared. Then he referenced my name to the ruling party president. That time we had a coalition. That was Zano PF and MDC, Movement for Democratic Change. And he referenced my name to the president. And the president was very happy with my uh, my name being there. Interesting. Yes. That he was happy because yeah. when I won the election in the constituency, mm -hmm. he called, he asked me to come and meet him. Yeah. And I went. He saw your power. I was going to see the it's, president. You see your power. Yes, my power. <laughs> yes. I went there and the president was, oh, how did you do it? Mm -hmm. exactly. And the answer came like, hey, <laughs> so how, how I wanted you, to join. You do it? What was, if you had to put three things, how, what was your, what was the key ingredient? To it was the commitment. Yes. Commitment? So yes. working it, it really hard. Working very hard. Maybe as a woman, working more than you would think of, maybe three times more. Mm in an mm. area that your yes. others would just pass one once or three times mm -hmm. or one yeah. or twice. Exactly. But I would work very hard to, when I leave a meeting, I leave an area, a community, I, I have it in my mind that I need to come back here mm -hmm. and give them this answer and assure them I will be standing for them in parliament and I would go back again. Mm -hmm. That meant resources. Yeah. That's another. That yeah. one, that's, a, that's another <laughs> one for well, another day. Opposition doesn't yeah. have resources. Doesn't have resources. Doesn't have resources. Well said. So working system. really, yeah. really hard. Yeah. What else you think? The other you, 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 ha you have to have commitment. Yes. This is what you want. Yes. You, you work hard. You stay committed and stay focused. Wow. This is mine. Hard. Yes. Do you know? Mm -hmm. You don't think of. Do you, you, that word like loss is is non-existent in you mm -hmm. when you are gripped and you mm -hmm. are really saying to yourself, I am going for this. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't exist. The, I'm losing. I will lose. I may lose. If it was going to happen, oh, okay, I don't know. But to me, I told myself, never. I, I will win. Mm -hmm. And this is mine. Wow. Yes, this is mine. Even the, the newspaper, one of the newspapers, in the country called me on the very day of the elections mm -hmm. and said, what do you think about your chances? I said, no. He says, where are you going? I said, I'm driving into the constituents right now. And they say, what for when it's election day? I said, just to, to just convince those sitting on the, on the fence. <laughs> Otherwise I've won. Exactly. That's yeah. what I said. I said, yeah. I, I've won. Yes. I'm just going mm -hmm. to convince those few uh, who are sitting on the fence and I've won. You will hear tomorrow, day after tomorrow. This is mine. So it wow. was conviction. As mm -hmm. well. 
Yes, mm -hmm. it was conviction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think I've mentioned them three, isn't it? Yeah, yeah no, yeah, you, exactly. you got, no, and, and I'm sorry, go ahead, yeah, go back to your Yeah, what, what I think too is, uh, not to interrupt, is that African elections, what leaders, what you did that I see, I don't see other leaders do is when you commit the, especially the rural areas, yes. they want to know that you will come. Yes. Not just stand somewhere and call or talk to them. So no. that probably was uh, very endearing to it, them. It, it's two yes. way, both ways, my sister, because the rural people are truthful people. Yes. Let me put yes, it that way. No doubt. When they see they're rallying behind you, they are surely yes, rallying behind exactly. you. Yeah. And you don't have to disappoint them. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. Work with them, show them you are there for them, and they are not there to just pass by mm -hmm. like most politicians do, yeah. but you are there to stay and work. They are still calling on me mm -hmm. today because, you know, some of them won't know what level you are now. Yeah. You are an ambassador. <laughs> yeah. They still want, but the elections coming, the yeah. elections which are coming, we <laughs> yeah. want you to be our yeah. member of parliament. Exactly. They'll tell you that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So after the these elections, which were really controversy in my mm -hmm. country mm -hmm. in 2008, 2008 mm -hmm. yes, after these elections, then I was referenced by my president yeah. out of the coalition that came into being yeah. uh, to be one of the ambassadors. We were five of us. Mm -hmm. One went to Germany, another one went to Australia, another one in uh, Nigeria. Okay. We went to Nigeria. Mm -hmm. I went to Sudan. Mm -hmm. And the fifth one went to Senegal. Wow. Yes. So but, you went to Sudan at the point. Sudan. Yeah, no, sorry. So what I'm very impressed with is so that means Zimbabwe will still work with the opposition when they, they are in power. They had coalition. Yeah, because in other countries like Ghana, it's just contrary. It's contrary. The opposition is so sidelined completely. Completely. Yes. Tabombeki presided yeah. over the talks. Oh, wow. He's and the, yeah. the truth being told, yes, yes the party opposition had won these yes. elections. Yeah. But there was always a way, okay. you know. Yes, you know yeah. it, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> but then the noise that kept on coming from the opposition yes. made the regional board mm -hmm. SADC to come together and say, let's make this up and oh, make it so that to yeah, avoid that. noises mm -hmm. in the in the place. Mm -hmm. So that's what happened, and we became a coalition. Nice. And I became an ambassador mm. in Sudan. I stayed in Sudan. <laughs> Sudan was still one. South Sudan, I was covering with South Sudan. Even when it became independent, I still covered South Sudan before my my uh, country opened a, a, a constituent day in South Sudan. Mm -hmm. But I received my president, which is usual and usual with other ambassadors. Mm -hmm. I received my president, who is from the, the ruling party, I'm from mm -hmm. the opposite. Mm -hmm. I received him in, in South Sudan, mm -hmm. with the independence of South Sudan. Mm -hmm. That is Robert Mugabe, mm -hmm. my president. Mm -hmm. In the whether I, I don't know, he says <laughs> you are one of my professional ambassadors. Wow. Keep it up. I'm yeah. very happy because mm -hmm. you are working basically for your country. Mm -hmm. You are not running politics mm -hmm. here. That's nice. Yes, and uh, that was it. Mm -hmm. Okay, sir. And when I was in, in, he came to Sudan in 2015. Mm -hmm. That was 2011 when he said that 2015. He saw me and said, oh, Iron Lady, by the way, you are here. <laughs> <laughs> he said, yes. He says, your work 
makes me so happy. Mm -hmm. Even your reference for mm -hmm. us to open an embassy in South Sudan mm -hmm. has made me very happy mm -hmm. that there are people working for our yeah. country. Yeah. So I would say I stayed 10 years. A new wow. dispensation came into being. The president who is there right now. Mm -hmm. And that president who is there right now was the speaker of parliament when I was a member oh, of parliament. In the opposition. In the opposition. Okay. <laughs> So yeah. when he got in, me, I was just already also just poking my bags in case you throw me out or mm -hmm. something like that. And I managed to meet him and mm -hmm. he just says, no, 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 no. The former president really was saying good things about you. And I know mm -hmm. you're hardworking and the whole country knows you're hardworking. Well, if you still want to stay in Sudan, I said, no, I want to change. And I was moved to another um, mm -hmm. country mm -hmm. in Malawi. Mm -hmm. That's how I found myself in Malawi. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, it's, it's the work you put into mm -hmm. these issues, mm -hmm. the commitment, the truthfulness. Mm -hmm. I remember someone telling me, you will never be a successful politician. Wow. <laughs> the you will never be a successful yes. politician. Mm -hmm. Because you speak the truth. Yes. You get in front of the people. Yeah. And you tell them the truth. Yes. And you tell them, but you know, politicians mm. just go out there and just tell people mm -hmm. what they want to hear. Yeah. You don't do that. Don't do so that. you won't Some people survive. say that's a gap. Yes. Yeah. When a politician speaks the truth, yeah. it's a gap. Yeah. So yeah. it says to no. me, you won't survive. Yeah. You know, yeah. so when I became a diplomat, I was the happiest person. Mm -hmm. so it was a bit on the quiet side, yeah. peaceful. Mm. So yeah. it's it's a whole lot of uh, uh, things that get into place, but hard work mm -hmm. is, yeah. the, is the biggest of it. And the way people see the truth of illness mm -hmm. that is coming from you, mm -hmm. what you're putting across is very truthful. If it's not going to work, People are told yes. this is not going to work because of one, two, three. And this is the way we should go mm -hmm. with it. Mm -hmm. and so I, I think people in my country, they know yes. me. Yes. <laughs> uh, so you're always growing. So, yes. What's an average day in the life of the African Union ambassador? What do you, so what's a typical day look like? Uh, I, the good thing is that Africa today is like just. I don't know whether to call it a hot cake or something like that. I am busy from the beginning of the day or sometimes very early in the day doing meetings of people who actually just want to know how to partner with the African Union. How can we partner with the African Union? We're hearing a lot is happening in Africa. Africa is the thing today and uh, everyone for those who are in the know of course mm -hmm. they really want to it is the next frontier let me put it in short mm -hmm. africa for is sure. the next frontier mm -hmm. we have the youngest population which uh, by maybe 2050 and the talk is 2050 by 2050 we'll have doubled our population mm -hmm. and uh, will be a certain percentage of the world population and they would want to make decision without the thought of this Africa. When the population is that high, you can't leave out Africa. The decisions will have to involve Africa because Africa is shaping itself today. 
to be in all, let me put it, the African Union organization has made the continent, be known out there, advertise the continent with so many programs that we, we came up with. I don't know if to go into that right now or it will come later, the Agenda 2063, mm -hmm. where we have put the 50 years in front of us from 2013 up to 2063. And they have come up with flagships. One of the flagships that I can proudly talk about, which were unveiled out of that agenda, is the Africa Continental Trade Area. Which we will uh, talk a lot about it with, uh, uh, with Matilda's gonna yeah. ask a couple of questions about that. But before, and for Correct. some of our listeners that are out there, our viewers, what, what is the African Union? What, what does it constitute? How is it formed? Is your position something appointed or, or voted? How, what is, uh, tell us a bit more just for people oh. that are listening to us and want to understand more what the African Union is all about. Oh yes, African Union, this is, a union of 55 member states, 55 countries. This is a continent composed of 55 countries. In 55 countries, we have, no matter what size they are, but as we combine the whole continent, we have 1.3 billion people. So with the regions where we are yearning to integrate, Actually, the whole idea of African Union is to one day to become borderless, become one, I mean, in terms of when it comes to trade, what makes a continent tick? It's its economies. And the integration is going to begin with the regions. Once we have even the in infrastructure development, integrated in each and every where we'll be able to trade within ourselves. We have realized that trading within ourselves is 1.3 billion people will make us wow. big. One big market. That is a, 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 free, a free trade. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One big market and having Africa being borderless, That's we nice. see our economies growing. Yeah. That's, uh, that's very impressive. And again, let me just break for a second here for anyone that's just joining us or that's uh, enjoying this conversation. We're here with Madam Ambassador to the African Union in the US, Patrick from Books for Africa, Matilda and myself. We will be right back. It'll be just a quick commercial. We'll edit this and then we'll put uh, Books for Africa video like the, the we did before. Mm -hmm. I didn't yeah. mention it before, but it just, uh, I just remember, I think it would oh, be a okay. good thing. Mm -hmm. So we break in the middle and so all this will be edited out. Oh, okay. How are you feeling so far? Is it mm -hmm. going well? Do you want us oh, to change yeah. anything? I'm very, uh, okay. Okay. Patrick, yeah, are you, yeah, okay. Yeah. you okay? Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. excited. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Okay. Right. Cool. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah. excited. You're doing so. very well. Yes. Yeah. Oh, great. Thank you. I'm like, I know. Thank it's you. been yeah. incredibly interesting. I've I mean, already I know, two pages full of notes. Really? So, okay. Well, welcome back. We're again with the ambassador, uh, Madam Ambassador to the African Union. You heard it already, Africa and the continents, 1.3 billion people, 55 countries, and an incredible potential for anyone out there that's really not paying attention to Africa when they're doing. I, well, you must be probably living under a rock because uh, she said it very clearly. 
it's the uh, next and last frontier. I think uh, very, very uh, strategically that Africa is for sure the future of the world in many, many different ways. Yes, yes. So sure. thank you once again for, for being here, both of you, Patrick and Madame Ambassador. Go ahead, Matilda. Yes. I know that you have tons of questions for <laughs> Yeah, her. no, I'm really excited and I'm also in the learning mood. So I'm always humbled to have, not to put a female connotation, but yes, because the continent is is a rough patch, you know, when a female <laughs> wants to uh, strive and uh, make a, a, a segue into doing all these things, being in politics and everything else, getting into the African Union and being the ambassador to the US, that is probably the most powerful position that a lot of people do not understand because that would shape, could shape the US-Africa relationship which US is fighting so hard to make sure that they're positioned to be well with Africa and to do it right. You know, so my question is so much going on with a continental free trade area agreement. What is that continental free trade area and what do you see happening with that? Yeah, we may spend the whole day here if I had <laughs> I to explain just, about the African no, 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 we will have to have you back. So <laughs> no, no, no. I'll yeah. have to come back. Yeah, we'll have to come back. Yes, the Africa continental free trade area is uh, it's one of the flagships of the Agenda 2063. And uh, the whole idea of this Africa continental free trade area has been, is there to shape the Africa that we want. Growing our economies. In short and in simple ways, growing our economies. I think I must have talked about it earlier when we were at lunch where I said there's need to employ, to develop employment develop these industries so that we will be able to employ our our children grow our economies make ourselves better with the gender agenda being put on the table and the women as we know they are the biggest traders informally in the constituencies is to industrialize africa mm. to get africa to a stage whereby in the processes of our production, we will be able to employ our children from the processes of the production of the goods that we can sell at the end of the day as a finished product. Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example of, uh, I just saw a video of the, our president mm -hmm. of Ghana mm -hmm. who was talking of, Coco, we have to develop mm -hmm. this raw material mm -hmm. to become a finished product. Yeah. And in those stages of developing this cocoa mm -hmm. beans, we will be able to find stages where we will be able to, to employ yes. this young population that is ballooning, mm -hmm. which is coming up. We'll have developed an industry, mm. industries that will allow us to be able to to employ our children. That is employment on its own. Yes. That will allow our economies to grow. Yeah. That will allow us to make it easy for mm -hmm. us to trade within each other. 
the infrastructure which we're talking about is not only for roads. Mm-hmm. We want this infrastructure even to do with mm-hmm. the, the digitalization mm-hmm. of the this, this rush for digitalizing mm-hmm. um, the continent. And, 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 and in that digitalizing mm-hmm. the, uh, the continent, that's the only way that can allow us to be at the same level mm-hmm. with other countries mm-hmm. in the world. Yes. So in this case, I mean, you hit something I mean, very important to me, the trade, the youth development, employment and everything else. Yeah. It looks like the COVID also opened up all our eyes to see that business is everywhere. Business has become a global village, even though we are all in different countries. So your position in the U.S., what do you recommend that U.S., the government and the business here, do more to bring that relationship closer with Africa. Yeah, the I'm, I'm here. It's one of my mandates. I'm here to grow that relationship. And being here also for Books with Africa, it's also to grow this relationship. They've done tremendous work. They've done great work on the constituency. And see, we're still asking for more. Mm-hmm. All I tell the U.S. authorities, yes, you are doing business with Africa, but you could do more. Yes, that's wonderful. They could develop more. They could, you know, set up these big corporations that that which are set up from the U.S., which are set up in other continents. Mm-hmm. That could be in Africa as well. There is a gap. Yes, the gap is realized whereby Africa is so vast and anyone can come in and can find what to do Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in Africa. As long as we are working together and as long as the relationship is mutually beneficial. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. That's so important. You said mutually. I think that is what most of the African leaders are now pushing for mutual benefit, you know, in everything that we do. So, there are, this one, I always kind of don't like talking about the challenges, but the challenges could also be opportunities yes. for us. Yes. There are a lot of logistical challenges in this continental free trade area. Yes. Like for example, getting goods from one place to the other or the power shortages or whatnot. What do you suggest needs to be done? Because US stands in the place where businesses or foreign direct investment can come right from here and work with Africa to improve in these spaces to make it easier for the partnership to move forward. What do you suggest or what do you think of those logistical challenges and how do we navigate that? That's where the issue is, whereby we know and they very respectfully say the U.S., its money goes into social issues of ours. We are happy with that. It goes into the health. It goes into the education. In other areas as well, but those are very distinct and everyone knows US is with us, they work with us. And we are happy for that. Now, the challenge that we have in Africa is the infrastructure. Yep. And, and Patrick, you can probably talk a little bit about this. Uh, you ship books all over the continent. 
you've been doing it for quite a while. What are some of these infrastructure challenges that you see in some of the shipments that you deliver and, and how is it going? And maybe you two can talk a little bit about before and now, and is it heading in the right, the, the right way? Are we improving? You know, um, any, any organization like ours dealing on a continental level and we've shipped books to every single country in Africa. Um, and it's, how should I say this? It's remarkably easy. I mean, that's probably not what you expect, but it can, it, it's not that hard to do because I think, you know, there's a lot of infrastructure that has been established. So uh, when we need to send uh, books to any country in Africa, we call Vector our freight forwarder, they line up the, the ships, they line up the trucks, they line up everything. And so from my perspective, as a, as, a, as, a, as a distributor of books across the whole continent, yeah. it's not as hard as you would as you think would it imagine. would be because we can draw on the strengths. Uh, now, the challenges uh, in Africa is such a, a huge country, probably the rail network, yes. I would say, yes. would yes. be That's an obvious area. Yes. That would be the sort of infrastructure mm -hmm. that would, I think, bring dramatic um, improvements mm -hmm. to, to link East and West Africa, North and South. Yes. And I know that the air connections uh, are, are improving. Yes. A lot of times the way you had to get to Africa, the easiest way to get to Africa was to go to Europe first. Yes. And then to get to another part of Africa, you go back to mm. Europe. So I know that there's obvious infrastructure improvements that are being worked on. It's such a huge, huge geographic area. Mm. Yes. Um, but I, uh, you know, we've sent 51 million books and um, it's, uh, I would say to any anyone interested in trading with Africa, uh, it's not a nightmare. Mm -hmm. It's actually a lot easier than you think it would be once you figure out the tricks of the trade. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we'll figure out. Yeah, and see, that what he's talking about, that uh, the link between the regions. Yes. Right. If yes. there would be railway system. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Well, and it sounds be. that there's also a problem of uh, um, awareness, right? It sounds like, because to your point, Patrick, and uh, it feels like uh, people think that it's harder than what it probably is. And maybe that's one of your biggest challenges being here in the U.S., trying to convince and bring awareness, raise awareness that Africa is a really good business partner for any company in the world, and particularly for American companies that want to invest in Africa, right? For American companies that want to invest in Africa, this is the time. This is the time. This is the time. Africa yeah. is open for business. Yeah. And the, the tools have been put in place to make it easier and to, for, for, for those companies to come in. I, I would want to say, implore the, uh, the American business people to think of investing in also this infrastructure that we are talking about. They, they, they should come in to invest in such. Right. I know some of the challenges that people talk about is a, a project is, I don't know the wording of it, but where they say, yes, generally people know we should set up a dam there, but there are no works that have been done for us to be sure this dam will come into fruition and be able to save this and that and also and give electricity and all that. 
if the project is not developed to such an extent, there is a word for it, I'm just forgetting the word. It, it's not been developed to such an a stage. They say the project is not sellable. But I'm saying that's another area where even the, the Americans can come in right. and they make those projects be real. Mm -hmm. Right. And yeah. for those who come in to, 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 to develop now the, the, the project, let it be maybe even the government, let them come and develop that project. It comes into fruition, it's projection. Mm -hmm. What does it need tomorrow? What, how much will it be made on this project and all that and all that? Let them do it, the government, and maybe have the private sector come in well knowing there's this kind of project, there's a rail to be built from, from Harare, from, from, from Cape to Cairo, and it will, be, it will bring out good business out of it. Let the, 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 the private sector come in so for companies that, uh, the, the big companies or smaller companies that want to do things in Africa, this is the time. A lot has been done in this development of this project is being done to ensure you come in and do your, your project. We would want the US to do more business with us. So um, I got this thing where, so I think US with a, intellectual partnership we do have with Africa, if we can handle project as a supply chain, yeah. public-private partnership. So you set, you figure it out from A to Z, then find all the partners within there, then find a way. I think maybe that's a conversation that, um, or I'm certain that conversation you're looking at also yes, to sir. help move Africa in the right direction with, your, with our relationship. I would say they are ours relationship to the U.S. because U.S. Yes. as I'm seeing lately is very interested. So you're going to be a guiding light yes. for all of us to be able to do right with Africa and moving forward. And where are you starting or where are you ending? Yes, it, it, there's never been a good uh, uh, time mm -hmm. for us to relate strongly. And the good thing, there's this opening for us to say truthfully exactly yes. what I'm saying here, that we want a mutually benefiting uh, a, a relationship yes. with the U.S. In the U.S. is also eager. I think you heard what President Biden said mm -hmm. before the summit of our presidents. That was in January, was it in January, February? Yes. During that summit mm -hmm. before, where he spoke to the president mm -hmm. of Africa. Mm -hmm. And he says, maybe next year we'll be with him mm -hmm. in Africa, mm -hmm. physically for him to see for himself, to be able to meet with these mm -hmm. presidents and all that, mm -hmm. hoping uh, uh, this figure pandemic will mm -hmm. be something which we put behind mm -hmm. us. But he, he showed that willingness to work with Africa. He showed the willingness to say, uh, even not with the president, even the leadership that is, in government today, in this country, they are seized in working with Africa. Right. And this is the time. And Africa is embracing, embracing them and say, let's work together. And this is the time Africa has got its set up its tools in a way that this work can be done in an easier way. We are, we see this every day, right? In logistics and uh, there's uh, Patrick who has sent books uh, for Africa to all Africa. We coordinate shipments for our clients around the world. And I think that you're right. I think it's the right time 
there's a lot uh, emphasis in, in Asia and China. If we can start shifting some of that to Africa and the continent, I think that that would be incredibly beneficial for at least the supply chain industry. So I would yes. I would encourage everyone that's kind of like listening to this episode to look into Africa. There's really important opportunities in Africa. I think supply chains are going to start looking into Africa with different lights, with different eyes and uh, in with everything that's going on with the lack of equipment and the prices going to the roof and yes. so much congestion in our ports and, and China, Asia in particular, I think Africa opens up uh, an opportunity for everyone, right? Yes. yes. And there's a human resource. Talk yes. of human resource. Yeah. You, you, yeah. you said the younger, the younger population, very education. Very educated. Yes. Very educated. Yes. Yeah. We can have other challenges, of course, that can be found in each and every continent whereby some of, in some of the countries, they could be having children that are not going to school or whatever. Mm. But generally, the human resource in Africa mm. is just there. I was surprised passing through some restaurants and seeing we're hiring, we're hiring, and I'm coming from Africa. <laughs> and I said to myself, and I said to myself, uh, I, I want my continent to be like this yes. tomorrow. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Where there's that kind of opening whereby when there's the industry grows, when we have this industry, I think it will allow all those areas to be taking. And the talk of women, the informal traders, the cross-border, those women are doing great work. Mm. They have sustained economies. Mm. It may, people can may not have the figures to know what women have done, but the good thing African Union is working so hard to ensure these women are not shortchanged mm. as they cross these borders to go into these other countries to do their trade. Women have done so well in Africa. Yeah, and they've, yeah, as you said, they have sustained the economies of a lot yes. of different countries. So yes, with that, I just want to come back full circle to to you and the yeah. uh, relationship that you have with uh, with Africa, as, uh, and, and also you, uh, uh, part of the African Union, has with Books for Africa. What? Go ahead. What What does it mean to you to well, have such great connection with we Africa? Just, uh, on behalf of Books for Africa and all of our supporters all across the world. Uh, including in Africa, the recipients of our books, the people raising money to send those books and donating books and coordinating. Um, I really appreciate the support of the ambassador and her office in helping uh, to work with us to, to help uh, work together to improve levels of education across the African continent. It's a, yes. uh, you know, it's a continental uh, vision yes. and we really welcome ambassador's uh, willingness to, to assist in this, to work with us, uh, to work in collaboration so that we can achieve more. And so I also really appreciate the ambassador coming here to Atlanta to be the keynote speaker for our christening of our new warehouse. Uh, and so we're having that big event tomorrow. We look forward to her formal remarks. And we look forward to many of the informal remarks. A lot of times the things that get achieved are these little sideline conversations <laughs> where an idea gets percolating. Yeah. And so I think, um, you know, some ideas uh, have been discussed and, and hopefully more in the future about additional collaborations yes. whereby we can work together uh, to, to improve.
improve education. So we really look forward to that. Thank you, Ambassador, uh, for coming. And uh, we look forward to hearing your remarks tomorrow and continuing to work with you in your office. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. This has been uh, very interesting. As you said, we could probably continue to talk for at least a couple of more hours about not only the free trade agreement, but also like the African Union, but just like your incredible kind of uh, life story. And so we're super humbled uh, here at Vector. Thank you, Patrick, for for giving us this amazing opportunity. Thank you for taking the time to, to come with us today and share some of your experiences with us. And before we kind of wrap everything up and we kind of close this uh, really interesting episode, just uh, if you have like any challenge to our audience, if you could challenge our audience uh, about something, what, what would that be? And, and with that, just wrap up this episode for us, if you don't mind, Madam Ambassador. I, I, I would want to just say, <laughs> the way is Africa as we speak. And they're having these collaborations with uh, Books for Africa, where I've already mentioned that we have the, the, the resource, the human resource that is very strong in Africa and they're doing business with Africa would be the thing at the moment. And they don't be left out. Africa is on the move and uh, a lot is being developed and that those who are doing business at the end of the day are reaping the, 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 the fruits and they are making their companies, their organizations strong. And I would say African Union is ready to work with you and to open these doors in any country that you may choose to go into. There are 55 countries and 1.3 billion people. What a big market, one single market. It is the biggest. Yeah, well, thank you. There you have it. And as you said, you don't want to be left out. Other countries are already doing this. So at the end of the day, this is not only important and interesting for the U.S., but it's also a race against other countries out there that are already looking into Africa as the next as the next frontier, as you put it. And once again, thank you very much for everyone listening, everyone watching this episode. If you like it and enjoy conversations like the one that we had today, don't forget to subscribe. We're part of the supply chain now network. And this has been another episode of Logistics with Purpose. Thank you very much. And I'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Now.